0: Yum each out for yum
1: nub. Hello, welcome to episode 11 of Yubcast. I'm Jamie, and I'm just a child in a mask. And I'm
2: Matt, and I need someone to show me my place in all of this. <laughs> all right. Still excited about the movie?
1: Yeah, I've been going back and forth because it seems all I find is shit posting about it, and not a lot of people saying how great it was, other than like critics and stuff
2: yeah my twitter feed is basically people who work for lucasfilm or adjacent companies and they're all super excited about it but conflict of interest there i'm still excited about it and i'm getting a little tired of the shit posting but i can't force people to like it and they can't force me to not like it
1: i think my original opinion of it was correct that i do i do really enjoy it got some to some clip clickbait article just kind of explaining everything and it It brought up something that I completely spaced off on that we didn't talk about, is that Ray has the books.
2: Yeah, they're in the Falcon at the end. Did we not talk about that?
1: No, I don't think we did. I've read a couple uh, articles that are just kind of explaining it. And it's like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly... the way I thought. I thought it was a perfect send-off for Luke. He pretty much performed a humongous feat that we've never seen before. You know, it wasn't like him, like, destroying, like, one of the uh, the walkers with just, you know, using the Force. He projected himself pretty much across the galaxy and interacted with everyone there.
2: Yeah, and give him the opportunity to be the badass without um, being a one-man army. He didn't have to kill a thousand people to save mm-hmm. 20 he loved or quote-unquote loved. It was perfect, so haters gonna hate.
1: They're going to fill in the gaps now that we know what happens there's going to be novels comic books possible video games where you're going to get the opportunity to see luke doing something uh seriously badass with the force so and this is star wars has always done this you know it was the eu for a long time and now it's the uh, all the canon novels cartoons what have you that's not it for luke and he's gonna come back in episode nine he has a force ghost i'm that's pretty much set. i don't want to say set in stone but he threatened it he threatened he would do it (laughs) what do you think like everybody's using this argument that well even mark hamill hated you know the, the luke for this one but also i've seen now that hamill's kind of backtracked a little bit
2: so that's almost a misquote that he hated it that comes from an article an interview that he gave where he first read the script and thought that's not how luke should be and then he said once he got to the end, he loved it. He thought it was the perfect end to the character, how much sense it made, and all that other, other stuff. It is almost a misquote to say he disagreed with the direction they took Luke, because it's not telling the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's at least taking what he said out of context. And I follow him on Twitter, and at least for the time being, he's toting the line. He's saying all the right things to support the movie. It's not like Harrison Ford shitting on that submarine movie.
1: I didn't see that movie, but I remember that. <laughs>
2: I saw the movie, it's got Harrison Ford in it, and it was a Russian. That's an easy sell for me. Just one last thing about this internet bitchiness. This is just a thing that Star Wars fans are predisposed to. I don't know if you remember... um, Well, the two top grossing movies of all time are The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Uh, First Weekend, gross. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Uh, When Titanic passed Star Wars, whatever Star Wars held the top spot uh, at the time, uh, back in the 90s, there was an internet riot against Titanic for daring to take something away from Star
1: Wars.
2: (laughs) This is not new behavior in the least. This is just what Star Wars fans do. Star Wars fans basically built the internet, and since they've occupied that space for decades at this point, they know how to be shitty to one another. Oh, yeah. We are just seeing that directed at Star Wars for the first time. Well, well, not the first time.
1: Yeah, my uh, my friend, the one who was an, an expert in Sharknado, he had posted something about uh, just he put a post out there about Star Wars, and something I had said on there was, "said there's no worse critic of Star Wars than a self proclaimed true fan." Yes, yeah. everybody is a true fan. Nobody else is a true fan.
2: And this is something when, and this is something that when we decided to do this podcast, I really cautioned us against shitting on any anyone else's fandom. We are fans. We enjoy it. I've enjoyed all the Disney stuff so far, this movie included. But I was actually curious, when we saw The Force Awakens almost two years ago, coming out of that movie, you were really disappointed. Yes. And I was upset that you were disappointed, not because you're not allowed to have your opinion, but because I figured we couldn't talk about the movie, and we talk about Star Wars every single day. And I was like, we have a new movie, and I'm not going to be able to talk to him about it, because I loved it, and you told me you thought it sucked. Yeah. But your retrospective analysis at the time, you thought it sucked because it failed to meet your expectations. I'm curious if everyone else is suffering from that problem now.
1: Oh, I'm pretty sure. It's, you know, everybody had their own headcanon. There's a million sites and a million YouTube channels that are just dedicated to Star Wars rumors and quote-unquote spoilers, let's call them. And so everybody, you know, true fan or not, you know, they have... What the, you know, their idea of what this movie is going to be. And they've had 30 years of, you know, waiting to see Luke Skywalker as like a master Jedi knight. And that it didn't play out the way that they wanted it to. You know, there's 30 years of buildup and they didn't get what they wanted. But if they got, I think they got something better. And I think, you know, in the end, it'll people will come around.
2: Yeah, I agree
1: it um and and part of the problem I had you know it's like i thought for certain you know i knew what was going to happen i walked out of there like what what the what the hell was that shit you know luke skywalker was only in it for a second and, and plus i had a really bad audio um audience experience yeah. just everybody was just cheering talking to the movie you know i actually yelled at somebody telling them to shut the fuck up you know there's kids around i didn't care you know <laughs> i waited a long time for this and then you know you got the people like what's going on why is he doing that it's called paying attention you fucking asshole so that coupled with kind of the disappointment of it you know not playing out the way i thought it would uh was kind of a bummer but going i went back the next day i took the boy and I had a much better experience after I slept on it and just let all my uh, expectations just go. It was much more enjoyable. There, there's still some flaws in it, and there's still parts of it that I'm kind of um, bummed they did it the way they did it. But, you know, looking back, you know, it's, it's a decent movie.
2: I think you and I are going to be very frank and admit that Star Wars movies have huge flaws. Episode 4 has huge flaws. Episode 5 has huge flaws. 7, 8... Huge flaws, but I enjoy them. Maybe that makes me unsophisticated. I don't care.
1: I, w- I wonder, I've thought about this on my uh, commute is that we did we, you know, after Return of the Jedi, that was it. There was no plans to make any movies, you know, there was rumored. But, uh, you know, that there's rumors of seven, eight, nine, but that was just kind of like pie in the sky thinking, you know, like along the lines of uh, Elvis, you know, you know, faked his death or, you know, you know, other conspiracy theories. But, you know, so that all we had was just to watch those movies over and over and over and over again. People aren't going to be doing that with the new Star Wars movies Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's going to be a new one coming out you know other than the people who are just rabid fans like you and i they're not going to just be watching you know these movies non-stop over and over again it's not going to be their comfort food you know like when they're just uh you know when they're sick they're probably you know they're not they're not going to go through the whole you know every star wars movie cuz before there was just only 3 so like if you're sick you know one day home from school you could just if you had them on v- uh, vhs you could just watch all of them
2: yeah that's a good point since we might have a new star wars movie every year or approximately maybe the next five to ten or more years, there won't be that huge gap where people have to obsess over the primary material over and over and over again. And I can't imagine that, honestly. I can't imagine going to a bookshelf and saying, which one of these 25 Star Wars movies do you want to watch tonight?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's a very good chance that you know, say we live long, semi-fruitful lives. You know, Star Wars could outlast us. I mean, it's only going to go as long as it's profitable, yeah. and and then eventually some third-rate uh, studio picks it up—the the kind that does like the the knockoff movies, like Transformers and <laughs> stuff like that. You know, that's just slightly, slightly different than uh, the original.
2: They can never take away what they've given us, so I'd be happy if we end up with the trilogy of trilogies and the trilogy of standalone movies, which is way more than I assumed we'd ever get.
1: I had read a, a a really interesting article that it, it was actually on the AV Club. That I don't I don't really enjoy their articles that that much, but this one had some spot on points that like they pretty much sta- stated that this is kind of an epilogue that uh, you know that. We kind of missed the opportunity to see the really awesome, you know, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, you know, Leia stuff, because 30 years passed, they got old, you know, Mark Hamill physically can't do those kinds of stunts, you know, neither can Carrie Fisher or could. So, you know, they're older people, you have to kind of play to who they are, and their lives just don't Constantly stop, or like it's just one awesome adventure after the next. So eventually, you know, just life gets in the way. You think about like you, the best moment of your life. Well, it's pretty awesome, but then you still got to get up the next day, go to work, or, you know, or do whatever. And things slowly go down from that moment to where it's just kind of like, ugh, uh, ugh. You peaked, and then you're just kind of slowly kind of just marching along to getting older, and then maybe have another great moment, and then you just kind of slowly kind of doing the same.
2: It got pretty existential there for a minute. I like it.
1: (laughs) He's just a grumpy old man. You know, he's gotten just beaten down by life.
2: Well, I think they did a great job, honestly, that he didn't live up to his own hype, and he couldn't deal with releasing someone like Kylo into the universe, and how he felt responsible for his creation because Ben woke up and saw Luke in his hut.
1: Right. I think that it's the meeting your heroes. I've never... Well, I can't remember of anybody famous that I've met other than just like at some like like convention, or somebody who's just not really that famous. Most everybody says, don't meet your heroes. They'll never live up to what you want them to be. Luke, everybody had this high opinion of him that he was this this Jesus character. And just even in the Star Wars universe, he, he had high expectations. And then outside of it, just the fans of the movies had this high expectations of who he's supposed to be. And when they meet him through watching the film, and he's not, it's very upsetting. So instead of you know, you meeting—I don't know—who's um, a celebrity or or athlete or musician that you like?
2: Well, I'm I'm a beer brewer, so I don't. So if you
1: met if you met the met the guys who make Milwaukee's best, <laughs> and you know you've been looking forward to this, and you meet them, and they're just assholes, or they're just they're just not what you expected. And then you're just kind of you've got, got that kind of that ho hum sort of feeling that, you know, that just didn't go the way I thought you held this person, you know, on a pedestal. And it turns out they're just kind of a, a jerk or they're just kind of a regular schmo, just like uh, everybody else. Now imagine millions of Star Wars fans having that same reaction like all together. And I think that's why the Internet is kind of exploding right now.
2: I hope it passes, but once again, I'm not going to tell someone how to enjoy Star Wars. I will tell people to stop making petitions to have Episode Eight removed from the canon because good luck.
1: I can I can only imagine Disney executives just seeing that, like laughing, and then like lighting a cigarette with a hundred dollar bill <laughs> be like. <laughs> be like I, I I lurk in a, uh, a lot of boards. And people just say, you know, like, I've liked Star Wars since, you know, 77 till now. And they've, you know, I'm done. They've lost a a fan. And I just want to post, yeah, sure. You know what? You can have some of my popcorn because I always end up getting too much. Because you're going to be there. Don't. (laughs) Who are you kidding?
2: I don't believe any of these people that they're going to give up on this. Even if they do give up, if this is the straw that broke the camel's back, you have eight movies. You have 40 years of shit. They don't care if you leave. They have the next generation hook. Just play with that. I said you just lost yourself a customer. You just lost yourself a customer. you gonna have to speak up. Well, enough of that. You had something you wanted to mention.
1: A quick shout out. My son got his uh, Boy Scout. Uh, popcorn sales prize and he had sold I think it was like close to like 800 something uh, worth of uh, popcorn and he was able to get a Lego Canaan speeder bike. Wow. <laughs> yeah, impressive. But they didn't have that. He ended up getting this Republic tank which is actually pretty cool. It it comes with uh, a clone trooper, a, uh, a Jedi Knight and uh, two droids. It sucks because I was telling him I want you to build me a tank out of all your kits. Build me a tank and then now he's has a tank kit so he doesn't have to use his imagination but where i'm going with this it led us to uh, looking up certain things on the lego site because in the instructions they had a bunch of different kits and there were some ships and characters that i didn't recognize it turns out they're from the freemaker adventures so we started watching those on youtube today and i know they're not canon but i really enjoyed them
2: So, that might not be true. Oh? So, the canonicity of the Lego continuity is in question, specifically because of the Freemaker series. Because none of the other Lego cartoons, we've actually never had that conversation I wanted to have before we started this, of whether or not we were going to bother going through the Lego cartoons or not. I was fine kicking it down the road, because even if we do review them, it won't be for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lego cartoons typically are almost parodies slapstick parodies robot chicken style of real star wars stories except for the freemakers which is an original story with a new plot Uh, it's about a family i think they're named the freemakers right they go on an adventure in wild space or something i don't actually know the plot i haven't watched it i downloaded it onto the ipad for the kids and they've watched it i just haven't gotten
1: around to it it's hard to fully explain. I, I kind of drifted in and out and I was doing chores. But it it's cool. It's 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 fun. If you've played any like uh, of the Lego games, it's kind of got that, you know, kind of parody kind of just fun feel to it, but it's not uh it doesn't have much it has a Star Wars feel, but it doesn't have much of a Star Wars feel because the you know the Emperor and Vader joke around a lot and and they're just—it's uh, kind of silly, but uh, there is a lot of like cool references. You know, the uh, the uh, the guy who did the voice of the all the droids, uh, the the battle droids in Clone Wars, is plays the uh, battle droid. The um, Boba Fett is played by the actor who did all the clone troopers. Uh, Tamara Morrison. No, uh, from the cartoon. I don't. Oh. I don't know his name offhand but um yeah it's it's really cool it's it's fun i i i recommend it just for nothing else just for you know something to waste time on you know or add that to the list of things to waste your time on
2: yeah i'll check it out and maybe we will depending on how hard up for content we get we may even review them on this show
1: and I was super impressed, and I had my my heart swelled up with pride when they crash landed on Takodana, and I didn't recognize it from space. And my son's like, "That's Maz's planet," and and then you, you know you see him coming in, and then you see Maz's castle. It's like, "Oh my god, you're right, it that's Takodana," and and who's in and who's in it? But Lego Hondo, and my son knew who Hondo was, so I was just like, "Oh, that's my
2: boy." I love it when the boy makes connections and tells me something I didn't know about Star Wars. Let's get into the review now so i want to give a little bit of background since we're breaking with our format we said we would do them in release order but today we're doing the made for tv movie or tv special entitled the great heap which was actually the last episode of droids that aired we're doing it now instead of at the end of our droid segment because the in-universe order, The Great Heap comes next. So we have one arc left where C-3PO and R2-D2 have a new master named Mungo Baobad. He has four episodes in the TV special The Great Heap, but The Great Heap was produced as a prequel to his arc. We decided to do it in this order because, from a plot point of view, it makes the most sense, because they're talking about getting to meet Mungo in the beginning, and that makes the most sense to us. So it originally aired on June 7th, 1986. It was delayed for six months. It was supposed to air around Christmas, but it was delayed until June. I like to think of The Great Heap as the death rattle for Star Wars. At the time, it was Last Gasp in a lot of ways. Primarily, it aired at 7 o'clock on ABC Eastern Standard Time, and it was the lowest-rated TV show for the week, and the lowest-rated TV special for the year. It really got shit on at the time. People were just done. This cartoon never caught on, and making an hour-long TV special was not a good idea. From a production point of view, everyone involved with the show said it was their favorite episode to work on. Anthony Daniels, who played C-3PO, said that it was his favorite episode because Ben Burtt, who wrote the episode, the original sound designer for Star Wars, uh, he said because Ben Burtt had a real affection for C-3PO. It had a bigger budget, an hour runtime on TV, 48-minute runtime without commercials. You can find versions of it online with and without commercials. I watched both. I wanted to talk about commercials, but there was nothing there. This was 1986 television, so they were up against things like Matlock and L.A. Law. It did poorly, and that was it. That was it for droids, and there were only a few episodes of Ewoks that aired after this. Ewoks had already been canceled, or at least not renewed for a third season. This was really the death rattle for Star Wars, capping off their overall failure to capitalize on this product with the worst-rated TV special of the year.
1: (laughs) There's some moments that are kind of interesting, but a lot of it's just... Horrific and disturbing.
2: Well, I'm going to go through my plot summary. The show opens in outer space above a macquarie S spaceship called the Argo Moon. We cut inside and R2-D2 and C-3PO are together, and they're discussing joining their new master, Mungo Baobob. C-3PO is very excited and R2 begins mopping the floor, and slapstick happens, slipping and falling. We cut down to a planet, and there is an eclipse happening, and the eclipse morphs into a title card for the episode, and it says The Great Heap by Ben Burt. I love this eclipse because it reminds me a lot of the Death Star on Jeddah in Rogue One blocking out the sun. Mm -hmm. So we open up on a lush planet. It looks like the Land Before Time, map painting style cartoon. Mungo is riding on a lizard horse into a medieval farming village with green-skinned people. Verdant lands and huts sort of looks like Jabba's Palace style architecture. It looks like windmills and tulips in the background. I think this might be the Netherlands with green people. Right, yeah. Mungo is well-loved in town. It is obvious that everybody knows him. He's human, but the aliens are called the Bitu. Mungo's apparently a prospector or some kind of business person prospecting on the planet, looking for valuable materials to mine. He finds something, but when he's explaining that to a boy named Fidge in town... A huge ship blocks out the sun and a huge storm starts immediately. Can
1: can we talk about Fidge and just those aliens for a sec? Because Fidge has like a little alien friend who who's like kind of like digs like a rabbit and Fidge follows beneath it. I don't like the design. It seems like whenever somebody runs out of an idea of how to make an alien unique, they just put like those little like suckers or the like kind of like mushroom sort of shapes.
2: Yeah, like antennas. Yeah. They're like Andorians on Star Trek. Right. That's like his dog. That's Fitch's dog. Yeah. He grabs onto the horns and he rides it underground while the dog digs tunnels like Bugs Bunny on his way to mm-hmm. Albuquerque.
1: He grabs a fruit, like eats part of it, and then just throws it back. And then and I just everybody's just like, oh, you, you rascal. I'm just like, what, what the fuck? But then, you know, I'm getting bogged down by details.
2: They appear to be a post scarcity agrarian society. So. That doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Those are, those are big, fancy words.
2: So back to the ship. This big ship blocks out the sun, and the weather is automatically affected. There's high winds and storms and it appears the ship is draining the water out of this little cistern in the village. Um, During the chaos, Mungo is hit in the back by a board. The 2x4 comes up and hits him in the upper back and knocks him out cold. Meanwhile, back in space, the Argo Moon, freighter carrying C-3PO and R2-D2, has arrived and is orbiting the planet. C-3PO is organizing Mungo's belongings and R2 is still mopping. I guess he's the janitor or something. R2 accidentally knocks over Mungo's drum major uniform. And C3PO is upset that they won't be on the Sergeant Pepper's cover anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it seemed like like, is he some sort of war hero? Uh, businessman.
2: They describe him as a businessman, but this uniform looks like something out of a parody of a Russian Soviet style movie. Mm-hmm. So anyway, more slapstick happens and C3PO's head goes through a painting of Mungo and what I can only assume is Borgolet when they were in college together. <laughs> While they are doing this, the ship comes under attack from these buzz droid-like robots. They aren't buzz droids, but they are similar. Basically, these little robots are tearing the ship apart from the outside, dismantling the ship. The droids gas all the humans with sleeping gas and kidnap all the droids. They take the droids onto another ship, and that ship takes everyone down to the planet. So as the ship goes down to the planet, we can see that it is now covered in deserts. All the water is gone due to the weather machine. The droids are dropped off on the planet, and the ship leaves. R2 immediately gets in a fight, and this fight makes no sense. But R2 fights an Enforcer droid using one of those joke flowers that sprays water out like a gag. R2 uses the flower to spray the Enforcer droid, and the Enforcer droid responds by pulling out a much bigger flower and sprays R2 with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I... That was one of those, like, uh, okay, let's just get through this. I don't want to. There's
2: no reason for this, other than it separates R2-D2 and C-3PO. During the fight, C-3PO is put on a transport and taken to um, this compound, and R2-D2 is taken to another place. And this is where we can do part of it here and part of it later, but R2-D2 is taken to a harem.
1: Oh my god, this is...
2: And harem is the word they use. Not once, but a bunch of times.
1: Yeah, it, this is the part where it gives me the heebie-jeebies, and I, I don't, I don't know what to think. You know, it's kind of like it, it's it's not as awful as like walking in on your parents being romantic, but it's just like, ugh, I don't feel right about seeing this.
2: Yeah, the existence of the droid harem is disturbing. I did a garbage ton of research on the droid harem. So one of the droids is reading a magazine and the magazine is called Playdroid. You actually see it in two frames. You see it over his shoulder so you can see what he's reading and later you see the cover and the cover says Playdroid.
1: He's reading it for the binary not for the uh, (laughs) not for the pictures. When you see
2: the magazine over his shoulder when you see it the first time in the harem uh, you can see that he's reading schematics. so hot. We're going to talk more about the harem later, but I wanted to put it out there. And if you don't believe me, there's a there's a whole Wikipedia article about it. By whole Wikipedia article, I mean two sentences that state that this thing exists, and then there's some stuff online you can Google around and find it. So you now they go to the droid harem and oil bath with play droids boys, basically the island of lost boys from Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, C three P O is with a bunch of other protocol style droids, and they learn that their new master is the Great Heap. And he appears. We will talk a lot more about the Great Heap later, but my initial notes here say that he looks like a Transformer that didn't quite finish changing from a train.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. He's got all that, the facial structure. Like, this came out in 85? 86. Eighty-six, and Transformers—the movie came out then. Right around. Right yeah. And he looks very much kind of like—he doesn't look like Unicron, but he has the 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 facial structure where you see every, all the different lines that make up his face, or maybe the quintessence, but just that that style.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're crushing it with these references. So I was going to let you talk forever.
1: <laughs> all right. There's going to be some more hot Transformers talk here in a little bit once you get to a certain part.
2: Oh, I know what you're talking about. So C-3PO learns from the Great Heap that he uses droids to do manual labor. And the Great Heap thinks it's funny that Mungo is C-3PO's old master. And then he shows that Mungo is his prisoner. At this point, Great Heap asks his servant droid to fetch him an astromech from his harem. The Great Heap goes on to explain, while he waits for the droid, that the Empire has taken over the planet and set up the mine. And they're mining the same thing that Baobab was going to mine, but they're basically strip-mining the planet. Eventually, the R2 unit arrives from the harem, and the Great Heap eats the droid, much to the horror of everyone.
1: Right. There's a very specific slot in his mouth that they go into, because he can only, for some reason, like suck the energy life force if you will, from astromech droids, not from any other kind of droids.
2: Yeah, so he spits out the discarded husk, and it's discolored. Let's not think about it too much. And C-3PO is given a job on the lube (laughs)
1: crew. Of course he is. Well, you gotta start somewhere.
2: Everybody grab some grease. Why? because we're gonna grease up these beefcakes. So now C-3PO is walking around lubricating all the droids as they work. Mungo tells C-3PO that the Great Heap is removing all the water from the planet to make the mining easier. He complains that he's thirsty and sends C-3PO on a mission to find some water. There's a nearby underground spring. He sends him to. We cut back to the droid harem, and we see a female egg-shaped droid, and R2 falls in love with her, and they start to bathe together.
1: Oh, God. did do you happen to notice that her wheels are high heels? Oh God, I did not. Yeah, that's is just like oh, and the music that's playing is kind of like making it seem like romantic, yeah, blue lagoon sort of stuff. That's just oh. My skin crawls just thinking about it. And there's other R2 types of R2 units there. There's one that's wearing a baseball cap. There's one that has a Walkman. (laughs) The most disturbing is R2's whore. Did
2: you say R2's whore?
0: You are nothing but a whore!
1: My wife called the the dog that was in heat that our dog got a hold of his whore. I just came to my mind. But uh, she's a female droid that she and R2 immediately hit it off in the the hub that's probably full of droid STDs and droid jizz.
2: Alright, so while they're bathing together, another droid is sucked away to his doom. Back to C-3PO, he's at the underground spring gathering water for Mungo when he runs into Fidge and the pet. Fidge was burrowing to the same spring to gather water for himself. And so they all decide to help each other out to bust Mungo out of prison. They are immediately discovered and chased by a droid in a wheel bike. So we've already seen a wheel bike once in droids back in the Tamuzan arc mm-hmm. when they find Kezibon at the auction. There's another one there. This is different though, not as well designed as the previous one.
1: Well, he, he uh, he's just a droid in like inside of a big like, wheel.
2: Oh, is the wheel part of him? Yeah. Okay, so it's not a wheel bike then. So they are all chased by this droid. Fidge dives down a pipe with his pet to escape, and Mungo grabs the lube crew gear off of C-3PO and shoots oil on the droid until he's disabled. And then Mungo Mungo sends C-3PO into the pipes to find Fidge, and to find a way for him, break out of his cell. Now a shuttle shows up carrying Admiral Screed we previously saw a screen in the pod race episode in the first arc with uh, Val and
1: Jord. Do you notice that the shuttle looked exactly like the body of an AT-AT?
2: Yes, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. The shuttle is actually really, a really cool thing. The shuttle is, I think, Gamma Class or Epsilon Class. I looked it up and I didn't write it down. Anyway, how it works is when it lands, it becomes a command center. It's like a building that flies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks exactly like the body of an AT-AT without the head. Right, just a big compartment. It's carrying Admiral Screed. He's there to inspect the fuel ore. The great heap tells Screed that Baobab has been captured, and this makes Screed very happy. This is setting up that Baobab is an important person that the Empire has been after, and they all argue about the mineral mineral rights on the planet. This is some great Star Wars politicking. Right. Baobab says that the people should own the mineral rights, and that the Empire says, hell no, they're just going to strip mine the shit out of the planet.
1: Did you want to talk now or wait about Screed, like what he looks like? We can do a little bit now.
2: I have a lot about Screed later, his backstory and stuff. Uh, But Screed basically looks like Dolph Lundgren with a robotic eye patch.
1: He's essentially a cyborg, but he's also an alien, too, in kind of a strange Imperial uniform.
2: Yeah, he's an Imperial Admiral... And I think he's technically supposed to be a human, but he's drawn so strangely.
1: Well, I think he has fangs. I thought I saw fangs on him. Yeah. Just very tiny.
2: We're going to talk about him in a minute, though. I did did not notice the fangs. That might be an unfortunate character design for what he becomes in canon, because he is a canon character. Greed is a canon character, and you've read at least one book with Greed in it. Two, in fact. So that evening, C-3PO returns with Fidge and the animal to help break Mungo out of prison, but their big plan is to give Mungo a hacksaw so he can cut through the bars himself. Mungo seems pretty pleased with this, though. Um, Mungo decides that he will steal Screech's ship, the at body, and fly out of there to get help. None of them can fly the ship, so they decide they need to break R2-D2 out of the harem so he can fly the ship for them. The scene ends with Mungo beginning to saw through the bars. So now we have a plan, and our heroes are off to execute this plan. Fidge and C-3PO go to the harem to get R2, at the harem, R2 is hanging out with his girlfriend droid while C3PO and Fidge scheme as to how to get into the building. During their planning, C3PO falls into the harem when the Great Heap shows up to eat an R2 unit. C3PO tries to warn the astromechs in the harem that the Great Heap is going to eat them. While he's doing this, R2's girlfriend is removed by the Great Heap for a snack. You hear the droid screaming off screen. It is very horror movie setup, Yeah. where they get separated and she's the slut so she gets to die first. <laughs>
1: Don't sledge-shame, Matt. I'm not
2: slut shame matt i am not slut shaming i am talking about every horror movie in the 80s being a thinly-veiled morality tale about sex. Yeah. C-3PO is grabbed by the Great Heap as well and is pulled out of the harem. And now he will be sent off to become scrap since he defied the Great Heap. Fidge, who just watched all of this go down, decides to go away since he's unable to help anybody. After all of this happens, R2-D2 escapes by himself by jumping off the top of the harem and deploying a parachute. So he didn't need anybody's help to get away. He was staying there by choice. So he cut back to Mongo, and he's still sawing through the bars when Screech shows up the next morning with some droid to put Mongo into hibernation. The plan is to put him to hibernation and take him back as a gift to the Emperor. So the Emperor gets a nice shout out here.
1: And the hibernation thing, you know, same thing they did to Luke, or well, wanted to do to Luke.
2: Yeah, this looks like a torture droid or something. Yeah. I think they were trying to drug him.
1: I'm just talking more about the um, premise of freezing somebody uh, to, uh, you know, to transport them.
2: So Mongo escapes out of the cage before he gets drugged, and he slides down the pipe with Fidge. Back to R2-D2, and he finds the lifeless husk of his girlfriend. She's dead, and R2 cannot revive her. He tries. While R2 is mourning his girlfriend, he is caught by the Great Heap. The Great Heap tries to eat him, but R2 drops onto a conveyor belt and escapes. The whole sequence is very reminiscent of Episode 2 in the Droid Factory on Geonosis.
1: I agree.
2: Cut to C-3PO, who is with his droid doctor strapped to a table. This is apparently how they scrap the droids. They're going to dismantle his arms and use them for other droids. C-3PO manages to escape through a series of Rube Goldberg slapstick maneuvers. He ends up on a treadmill, and R2-D2 shows up to save him using a laser or some kind of lightsaber. I'm not sure exactly what happens there. It's definitely a lightsaber noise. He cuts through the wall, but it looks like he's using a laser.
1: Yeah, they play fast and loose with the special effects. And we don't know
2: what R2's capabilities are because every week he has something else, right, yeah. which is something I'm not complaining about, by the way. I know it's something I point out a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't mind that he's Inspector Gadget. Right. So after all of that, R two and C three PO end in some sort end up in some sort of canister, and the Great Heap throws that canister into a furnace. R two gets them out of there somehow by making the canister roll very fast. I don't want to think or talk about it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They escape. That's the point. Yeah. Mongo decides to save R2-D2 and C-3PO by sneaking into the compound through the garbage chute. But this is the exact same time that R2-D2 and C-3PO are escaping the compound by going down the garbage chute. So they are all reunited... In the dumpster. Mm-hmm. So at this time, Fidge has gone back to the harem to rescue R2-D2 and the other droids. But he doesn't know R2 is already gone, so he's sort of on a fool's errand right now. Mongo is still planning to get on Screed's ship to escape, but Screed gives an order that only droids may get on the ship, so Mongo decides to go in protocol droid drag to get on the ship to escape.
1: Yeah, so he think he just finds a bunch of mismatched parts.
2: It's not the worst plan. No. It's very Star wars Z to put on a costume and try to get away with something. Right. So we go back to Fidge, he's still on the way to the harem, and he steals a bulldozer. Mongo and Droid Drag boards the shuttle. His costume keeps falling apart. That's important because it exposes him as a human. R2 tries to take off with the shuttle, or at least destroy the Moisture Eater with the turbolasers. Screed is alerted that someone is trying to steal his ship through some alarm system he had installed. They go to the ship to investigate. Mongo puts on this wonderful act, mocking C-3PO, pretending that he is a protocol droid complaining about all the horrors of having to be a protocol droid. But during his complaining, some of his armor or costume falls off and he's revealed as Mongo, not some random whiny droid. Back to Fidge in his big victory, he crashes the bulldozer into the wall of the harem and all the astromech droids escape. So that's good. Since everything is going wrong at this point, the shuttle is flying around and the droids all escape... Screed and the Great Heap start blaming each other for this collection of failures, calling each other incompetent, lazy, being obsessed with the droid harem. That one's probably true. Yeah. Uh, and R2-D2 starts dumping the ore out of the shuttle. At this point, the Great Heap calls on two droids to assemble like Boltron to fight R2.
1: Oh, yeah. And they, and they, in true, like, Looney Tunes kind of fashion, they never seem to do the right thing.
2: This would have been an awesome thing if they pulled it off, but they made it too stupid. slapstick nonsense. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what's going on here. Anyway, now R2 is flying around in the shuttle, and he keeps firing on the tower, the moisture-collecting tower. There's general chaos below on the ground. The stormtroopers are being arrested by Mungo somehow. Eventually, R2 rams the ship into the tower. The tower and the ship explode, and it starts raining immediately. It is at this time we find out that the Great Heap cannot get wet, which is probably why they used the moisture tower to begin with. Mm -hmm. So as he gets wet, he begins to shut down. So I looked up the design of the Great Heap, and it turns out there's a lot written about this guy. Uh, He's powered by a furnace, and if the furnace goes out, he's in big trouble. And the rain puts out the fire in the furnace.
1: He's he's run by coal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of like the end of that M. Night Shyamalan movie where the answer was to pour water on the aliens. Yeah, yeah. How do we defeat them with the most abundant substance on your planet? So there's some heroics, saving the kid, the rain kills the Great Heap, the storm is now over, and the Great Heap is now a water feature. The planet is becoming green again, although I think this is only the next morning. Screed is still there, and C-3PO is messing around with a gift that R2 gave him. It's a voice recorder that R2 gave him with with R2's beeps or binary on it. Everyone assumes that R2 died in the crash and the explosion when the tower went up. But it's revealed that R2 is in fact alive. It's no surprise to us, but he was able to escape the crash using the parachute he used earlier. So, it's Chekhov's parachute. Then the Astromech droids all band together to revive the girlfriend droid. And R2-D2 says, yeah, he's gotta get out of here. He's not ready for that kind of commitment.
1: He knocked her up. <laughs> it's time to go to Florida. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna
2: have a mouse droid.
1: He's gotta ramble to the next uh, town, knock up a droid. <laughs>
2: Mongo gets a cell phone call from the ship in orbit. So apparently all humans woke up from their sleeping gas. And the final shot is the shuttle approaching the planet and credits. So that is 48 minutes of rock-hard Lucasfilm cartoon action. Did you like it? Uh, eh, it was alright. I loved it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was alright. It was just very... A lot of it was just super bizarre. You know, the droid harem. Just the, you know, the creepy... You know R2 with his girlfriend getting, I don't say they got it on, but you know, just the
2: yeah, he had some access panels open while they were <laughs> in the tub together,
1: he made it uh 011 base. <laughs> That is a binary joke for all you uh, nerds out there.
2: So I have a couple notes. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into uh, my analysis of the four things that I wrote down?
1: Well, I, you know, I mentioned Transformers before. That when Optimus Prime dies, he just turns a dark color. When the Great Heap sucks, the life force... Out of these droids, they just, you know, turn a... You know, they don't just die. You know, they turn a monochrome color. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe not interesting, kind of lazy. But given the animation style of Nirvana and just the era that it doesn't surprise me in the least bit. Yeah, you know, the harem, I can't get over that. It's just creepy. And Screed. Screed is just he you know, he's a cyborg and the way they made him into a cyborg was very it, it reminded me there's so many like movies of that era that's how they made people look like cyborgs. All his one side of his head was all Covered in metal, and he had a big metal eye. He looked like the one of the main villains from Robotech, the the macro saga. Or this guy had a big plate on his head, and he had this big black eye. And and do you do you, you ever seen a movie called Metal Storm? Um, no. Oh, oh do yourself a favor and not watch it. It uh, already done. It's <laughs> is it, <laughs> it really bad sci-fi movie from the eighties. That you know, as a little kid growing up in the '80s, I saw the trailers for it, and you know, I'm just salivating. This looks like the coolest thing ever. I discovered it a few years ago, um, and you know, I'm remembering it, so I watched it. And it's like, holy crap, this is terrible. But there's one character in there that reminds me of Screed. He's got that same, you know, plate on his head. Uh, I don't think he has a cybernetic eye, but it's something very similar. He's got a cybernetic arm that shoots acid. And then there's this movie called The Exterminators, where this guy is like a cyborg tank. And he's got that, he's got that exact same look. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Or look up, look up The Exterminators on Google, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Just that very Borg-like look. In fact, I, I remember I took one of my Imperial officers, uh, the the toy. I think I say one of my only, because uh, around this time I started destroying my Star Wars toys because GI Joe was more articulated. And I had a piece of solder that uh, I think my dad had used. So I just got a little piece that had just fallen off of wherever. And I pretty much glued it to that guy's face and turned him into a cyborg, just like Screed.
2: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. You know, I love custom action figures, and that's pretty industrious for a kid.
1: Yeah, then I chopped off one of his legs and used one of the, not the landing gear, but in the toy Millennium Falcon, the ramp would come down and there's. These two black, or not black, these two blue pieces that kind of came down and held the ramp together, and they kind of looked like like pistons. I took one of those kind of apart, and I made him a bionic leg with that that looked completely mismatched. But uh, it was kind of the style of the time, you know, like having <laughs> cyborgs that just looked completely inhuman. And I I know that there was like a there's a cartoon. I don't know if it was Captain Power. Or another one where they—I think I was actually trying to mimic that where they—they had they, uh, the, cy, um, the cyborg villains had like very had a very unhuman look to them. It wasn't like they just had a leg or arms that looked just like uh, their their regular legs. It was very mismatched, robotic.
2: I do want to talk about Screed's place in canon because he was pulled into canon literature um, recently. Um, turns out that he's a t- colleague of Tarkin and Yularen. So it turns out that he lost his eye in the Clone Wars in some battle. And he makes an appearance in the book Tarkin, where they're all sitting around a conference table and they're trying to decide where the terrorist is going to attack next. He put forth an incorrect theory and Yularen and Rancit uh, overruled him at the time. Uh, and So that's his appearance in Tarkin. And then he appears a second time as a hologram in a training video in the book Aftermath, but they only mention him by his first name, which is Terranad, mm-hmm. but it's the same character, at least according to Wikipedia. So this is a character that the New Continuity group thought was interesting enough to pull forward into the New Continuity. I would I wanted to discuss some of the astromech droids found in the droid harem, but we are running a little, a little long on time, but I r- really want to Really quickly want to bring up Choco, which was sort of the brown astromech droid with the sled and the ball. Okay. He's a rudimentary BB-8. I can definitely see the BB-8 inspiration there. Yeah. And then in the very beginning, and this got me very excited because I love studying the original artwork and designs and scripts and drafts of Star Wars, um, the animal that Mongo was writing in the very beginning that I described as a lizard horse is actually a prototypical tauntaun. It is a Macquarie design, an early design of uh, the tauntaun.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that to myself that like, oh, this is just a cheap tauntaun knockoff.
2: See, it may appear to be it. Uh, cheap knockoff of a Tauntaun, but it is legitimately a Macquarie design. If you read the uh, early drafts of Episode 5 of Empire, uh, you'll see that Tauntauns are always referred to as lizards. Mm -hmm. So in the Lee Bracket draft and those sorts of things, they were always lizards. And I don't know what caused what, but as the story progressed, it became more and more obvious that the um, existence of gigantic theropod-style dinosaurs, Yoshi, that the rebels are riding around on on an ice planet made no sense. And so they started adding fur. And so in that Macquarie coffee table book I have, the 2,000-page monstrosity that has all of the concept art, there's a series of drawings of the Tauntaun with different dates on it where it gets less lizard-like, less dinosaur-like, and more fur, ram, Tauntaun-like, what we ended up with. And this design that Mongo's on is dead center. I actually pulled the book to check and look at it. And any excuse I have to look at that book, I'll take. But it's definitely his design, his execution, just in a different setting. And that's the sort of thing that gets me super excited about watching these shows is Mm -hmm. the use of that sort of forgotten, um, off-to-the-side design, but has real roots in the origins of Star Wars in this universe I love. And the last thing I want to talk about today is the Great Heap. There's a lot written about the Great Heap online because they really went crazy with him. So he's a member of a technological race called the Abominor, and they're actually extra galactic. They're from the Yuzon Vong galaxy. Mm-hmm. And the Minor are the reason why, apparently, the Vong hate technology. They are basically the Borg of that galaxy. They hunt down and destroy biological life. They only care about resources and making more robots. And they're self-replicating, self-repairing. And that's why their designs look so cobbled together. Mm -hmm. So the Great Heap built himself out of other machinery and droids. And that's the shape he's chosen. Um, The other thing about the Great Heap is the spelling of his name.
1: Yeah. H-E-E-P?
2: Yeah, H-E-E-P. I tried illogically hard to figure out why they spelled it this way. The only thing that's spelled that way in English is Uriah Heep, who's the antagonist of a Charles Dickens novel, uh, David Copperfield. And he's the obsequious clerk who's always scheming behind everybody's back, in the book, I, I highly doubt that has anything to do with the Great Heap. Yeah. I tried to make those personality traits fit. I read a lot about Uriah Heap. I considered reading David Copperfield.
1: That's, that's dedication.
2: That's one way to put it. it,
1: it, it I, I think the simplest answer here is that he's a garbage heap, but they didn't want to actually call him a heap so they just changed the spelling.
2: It's very possible and probable that it's just a Star Wars spelling of something. Mm -hmm. They intentionally fudged the letters. Sometimes they'll throw in an extra letter or an apostrophe. It's probably nothing. Mm -hmm. So I have a few other notes, but this episode's already going to be long, so I think I'll just end it with saying that I really liked the movie, and I'm sorry that this marked the end of Star Wars cartoons for a long time, and the beginning of the dark times
1: you got some good games out of it to say that and there's some decent eu stuff according to eu fans i'm not i didn't really consume a lot of that but uh yeah there i mean you meet dark forces i love the a lot of that game
2: sure they didn't go away but it's widely believed mm-hmm. agreed upon that this is when this is the moment when lucasfilm took a huge step back right and ea mm-hmm or whoever made those games, stepped up. So I do have one last note. I lied. Um, Did you notice the shot, the final shot, when Mungo's ship is coming down to get him, and they zoom out, and they're all standing on that plateau? I did not. Just go to it. It's at 48.58.
1: 48.58.
2: I want you to tell me what that looks like.
1: All right. Looks like Jetta. Okay, I remember. I remember. Okay. I do remember seeing that now. It didn't really click. I was like, oh, that reminds me of Jetta. And then, like, eh, but it could be, you know, and pretty much any Mesa.
2: Stylistically, it looks like Jetta. But this is the reason why we're doing this, though, this project, is to find these little quotes or references to other materials. And this is one that I think is pretty obvious. The people at Lucasfilm are watching these cartoons, or have watched these cartoons. They brought Screed into canon. This is a shot of Jeddah. This is right. an obvious reference. It's a almost a quote, a visual quote. Yeah. That's it, I promise. Do you want to do the rating?
1: For any new listeners, our rating system is we pick a Star Wars character. So a zero would be, hmm, I don't know, Lee's Baggio. Lee's bag-ganio. Ah, I can't get that right. The guy who tries to sell Obi-Wan, Death Sticks. Ten would be, you know, original trilogy character, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader.
2: I'm going to give this a Yaddle.
1: A Yaddle? Okay.
2: Yaddle is the female Yoda that was on the Jedi Council who never had a speaking part, but had a very rich life in the EU. Right. He never even got a speaking part in the cartoon.
1: Okay, I will give this, and this is a controversial one, but I will give this a, is it 99? What's a 99? The name of the clone who wasn't uh, he was very disfigured.
2: Oh yeah, I really like that character. He's sort of the Bad Batch guy, but not not the guy from Bad Batch. It's the janitor at the uh, clone training and cloning center. Mm -hmm. Because he was a mistake. His pod was too close to the microwave.
1: (laughs) Yes! You know, he's a good character. He, he he tries but you know, he's just it's a it's kind of a he's kind of a mess. And he's kind of, and he's kind of a joke. All the clones like him, but you know, he's kind of a joke. So, you know, this one they, they tried, but ultimately he was kind of still kind of Alright, so the next one we'll be watching is episode ten, Tale of the Rune Comet. Mongo Baobab gets a map to a lost star system. And there's only four more episodes of Droids Left.
2: Hooray! And then we can go on to Ewoks and talk about their theme song. Spoiler alert, it was not written by the police, and it is horrible.
1: Well, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do this public service.
2: Find us for The Great Heap, the only made-for-TV movie for droids or Ewoks. You can watch it on YouTube if you want to. If you have any questions or comments, you can yell at us on Twitter at Yubcast or follow the email instructions in the closeout.
1: Right. Yep. And uh, thank you, everybody who's been downloading. You know, we're not audio engineers in the the least. This is all new to us. So we appreciate your patience and you downloading uh, and listening. And please feel free to give us a really super awesome review on iTunes or Google Play. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
0: Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yubnub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to YubCast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at YubCast or drop us an email at Productions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. YubCast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. YubCast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Enough,
2: Holly Hallelujah!
0: Holly